On this episode of Rev Hang, Ben and I talk about the Belgian Grand Prix. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rev Hang. I'm Nathan, and alongside me virtually is my good friend and co-host, Ben Bagley. How you doing, Ben? Oh, I'm doing pretty okay. Just uh, working on house stuff and trying to figure out how plumbing works. Plumbing, huh? What's going on? Uh... Well, old houses have drains that clog, apparently. Uh, the kitchen sink doesn't have a food disposal. Uh, and it was probably gunked before we even got in, but now that we're actually using it, we're noticing uh, some water droplets coming down from the sink. So when I checked, uh, of course, the pea trap was completely clean, but uh, further back into the wall, uh, there's a whole bunch of really good-smelling gunk uh, that I've been trying to clear out. Awesome. That, that sounds delicious and amazing. Hopefully you get yeah. that cleaned out. <laughs> uh, I know that can be no fun. I've had many plumbing issues in my past uh, that I have been the one to resolve, and I know that that's not fun. Yep. So good luck to you and Godspeed. Yeah, hey, podcasting is a good break from that. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, and speaking of which, this is not a plumbing podcast. Thank goodness. This is a racing podcast. Uh, so we've got some stuff to go over this week. Uh, only one race, but uh, it was the Belgian Grand Prix, which had a sprint race attached to it. And we also have some paddock news this week uh, for the first time in a little while. So we'll jump right in with that. Uh, first thing we have on here is Alpine is clean in house. They fired their team principal, Otmar Safnauer, and sporting director, Alan Permain. And uh, permanent replacements for them have not been announced yet. They do have some interim guys. Uh, higher up in the company that are taking over, but in terms of permanent replacements, we don't know yet. Um, and uh, it's not just those two. A lot of people have left alongside them. Uh, so Alpine is uh, doing what they seem to do every 18 months and completely starting over. Yeah, and I know a lot of people aren't really the biggest fans of Otmar and how he runs the team. Uh, but I have no idea who they would really replace him with. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't really know what, what people's problems with Otmar is. I mean, he ran Force India, Racing Point, and uh, Aston Martin for years. I guess he never ran Aston Martin, but uh, that whole team, he ran for like 10 years. And uh, they had some really good seasons. And while they may not have been you know, top of the food chain ever, that could be due to budget and uh, other staff, development staff. That's not necessarily the team principal's fault. Um, and otherwise, like, I think to have a team that's consistently uh, competing for best of the rest in the midfield, if, if that's the case, then I don't think the team principal is necessarily the problem. Yeah, and the fact that this turnover keeps happening on what seems to be such a regular basis makes me think that it's... Uh... It's indicative of someone much closer to the top uh, who might be the problem, but keeps on thinking other people are the problem, hence the changing things around so often. That was uh, some of the strong words that Alan Prost had for had for the uh, the media as a result of this. Alan Prost is a non-executive um, manager, I guess. Uh, I don't remember exactly what his title is, but he's kind of just... Uh, an honorary member of the Alpine team. Um, of course, he has a very massive racing pedigree and met multiple championships to his name, I believe three, if not four. I don't remember exactly the number. Uh, so he knows what he's talking about when it comes to racing, and he's been in the F1 scope for for 30 years now, uh, or more. Um, and he uh, had some very, very strong words for the the CEO of Alpine and his decision to uh, to clean house again. Hmm. <laughs> um, so it seems like this is not a very popular decision in the company, which uh, can only be bad for morale. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, see what the replacements do. But honestly, all this instability and turnover, I don't think, can be necessarily a great thing for Alpine long term. Um, yeah, who knows? Maybe the the CEO will be canned tomorrow and won't be a problem anymore. Who knows? Maybe we'll see. I don't know. Who cans uh, the CEO? Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. I don't know who can fire the CEO, but 
uh, maybe that'll happen. Maybe he'll get voted out by the board of directors. I'm sure that's probably how it works. Yeah, business uh, and things. Yeah, business and things. I'm not a business major. Um, but anyway, uh, that is just one of the three teams we have on our paddock news list here. The second one being Ferrari, who fired their sporting director, Laurent Mackies, and replaced him with Diego Laverno. Um, not sure how much it was... I, I don't know what the what the story is really behind that. I just know that, that was the decision they made. And uh, Alpha Tauri fired their current team principal, France Tost, and replaced him with Laurent Mackies from Ferrari. So, uh, at least Mackies did not have a huge gap in his resume. <laughs> Lasted for <laughs> about a day before we got that new news. Uh, I don't know where France Tost is going. He might retire. He's getting up there in the years. Um, or he might go to WEC and do something over there, because that's where it seems like a lot of team principals that don't have a home in Formula One go if they can't make it here. Although I do so. hear Alpine has an opening. Yes, Alpine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know how good of an idea that would be, but um, who knows? Franz Tost has been with AlphaTauri slash uh, Toro Rosso for years and years and years. So he does have quite the experience and pedigree there. Uh, definitely has had up to, ups and downs in that team. Um, so who knows? And I think that being the team principal of AlphaTauri is a lot, uh, a lot more difficult than a lot of other teams because you have your hands very much tied by Red Bull in terms of your drivers and probably a lot of your development and budget and all of that stuff. So probably not a very easy job <laughs> yeah um but uh good luck to lauren meckies and friends tossed in his future whatever that entails uh that's it for panic news lots of silly season stuff that doesn't involve drivers um we still have not heard anything on the driver front in terms of driver moves anything like that which kind of surprises me we're now going into the summer break for f1 so I'm sure stuff will start kicking off now, but it's, I don't know if I've, uh, since I started watching in 2018, I don't know if uh, we've ever gone this far into the season without literally a single word on the driver market. Yeah, although IndyCar, uh, I saw something on the internet that uh, Ericsson's, uh, I think Ericsson's contract is up on August 1st in IndyCar. Sure. Yeah. Huh. So maybe that'll that'll jumpstart some cool rumors and silly season things. Maybe. Uh, who knows? I, I don't see Ericsson leaving Chip Ganassi. Um, he's had lots of success there, and I don't see either party really wanting to leave because Chip Ganassi is one of the top teams. So Ericsson jumping ship would be a huge risk for his career. Uh, and. I mean, Ericsson's won the Indy 500 last year and then got second this year. So I don't see Ganassi wanting to release him. Uh, granted, he's not been super close in the title fight since the beginning of the season, but really nobody has uh, since uh, Polo just decided to take take the reins of the season and right off into the sunset. Um, but... Uh, I don't know. I think Ericsson's a quality driver, and I don't see any reason for them to give him up. Um, but that's just my two cents. There's a lot more going on, and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars flying around that I don't see. So, yeah, who knows? <laughs> Lots yeah. can happen. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if Polo moves anywhere, too. If teams uh, even have openings for him. Well, yeah, if Polo moves anywhere, or if he even stays in IndyCar. Um, God, that would make it a pretty silly season. I know we had um, a whole bunch of stuff with Piastri and uh, yeah. all the IndyCar drivers last season. So it's yeah, it's been relatively tame so far. But hopefully, we get some IndyCar F1 crossover drama. That would be pretty pretty interesting. That would be very. It would cool. be silly indeed. Silly, very silly. I keep trying to will this this uh, Polo to Red Bull move into existence, but <laughs> I don't know what the odds are of that. I figure if I just keep saying it on the internet, it might happen. But It'll happen. Uh, yeah, I don't know. 
Uh, that would be very cool. But let's move on to the Belgian Grand Prix and start with the sprint race and sprint qualifying. We'll go through the top 10 to give you some context. On pole position for the sprint race was Max Verstappen in P2 with a blistering performance. Only in P2 by 11 one thousandths of a second was the McLaren driver of Oscar Piastri. Uh, in third place was Carlos Sainz. Fourth and fifth were Leclerc and Norris. Six through ten was Gasly, Hamilton, Perez, Ocon, and Russell. Um, sprint qualifying was very interesting. Lots of rain. It was very wet for all of Friday and Saturday. Um, definitely made qualifying a, uh, a fun one to watch. Uh, and the sprint race was also very fun to watch as it was, it got rain delayed, so that wasn't fun. But, uh, once the race did start, um, it was a drying track and so you had lots of changing conditions all the time. Uh, and going into the sprint race, like I said, it started after, on a rolling start after a rain delay, one driver from each team pit on the first lap, including Piastri. And most of the rest of the drivers pit on the second lap, including Verstappen. Piastri was able to get past Verstappen in the pits on lap two. On lap three, Fernando Alonso lost traction in Puan and spun into the wall, causing a safety car. Verstappen then overtook Piastri on the safety car restart. On lap six, Perez and Hamilton collided, causing terminal damage to Perez's car. Uh, and so Perez dropped through the field until he had to retire a couple of laps later. Um, Hamilton was given a five-second penalty for that collision, and that was pretty much the sprint race. It was a very short race. It was only 11 laps. It was scheduled for 15, but then we had four laps under safety car at the beginning of the race. Uh, so, obviously, they had to drop the lap count because there is no refueling in Formula 1, so they couldn't just put an extra four laps of fuel in every car. Um... But yeah, so it was Verstappen, Piastri, and Gasly on the podium of the sprint race. Uh, Gasly had a fantastic race. Very good stuff. Yeah, um, yeah too bad it didn't really carry over to the actual race. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> uh, so that was the podium. Fourth and fifth were Sainz and Leclerc. 6-10 uh, through 10 was Norris, Hamilton, Russell, Ocon and Ricardo, and uh, just for, for everybody listening who doesn't remember, it's the top eight who get points. Uh, so the points stopped with George Russell. Unfortunately, Daniel Ricardo did not score a point in tenth place. I wish that was the case, but no. Um, Eleven through fifteen was Stroll, Albon, Bottas, Magnussen, and Joe, and sixteen through twenty were Sargent, Hulkenberg, Sunoda, Perez, and Alonso. And Perez and Alonso were our DNFs for that race. Um, moving on to qualifying for the Grand Prix. Uh, Verstappen did take pole position, but had a 5-place grid penalty for changing a gearbox. Apparently he's already through his gearbox allocation for the year, which I find kind of surprising. You didn't really hear much about Red Bull gearbox changes, so... Uh, if we're already there, then I'm sure we'll get a few more five-place grid penalties for Verstappen throughout the rest of the season, which might make things interesting, but at the same time, we all know it won't. <laughs> it didn't really affect this rate at all. Not at all. Um, but anyway, going through qualifying in the top ten, it was Leclerc, Perez, Hamilton, Sainz, and Piastri in the top five. Six through ten was Verstappen, Norris, Russell, Alonso, and Stroll. All right, going into the race, Leclerc held off Perez on the start. Um, Sainz and Piastri came together in turn one, which ended Piastri's race, unfortunately, and caused a lot of damage to Carlos Sainz. Lando Norris fell backwards off the start. Uh, he was struggling most of the day. Verstappen made his way up to P4 by the end of the first lap. On lap six, Verstappen passed Hamilton for P3. Three laps later, Verstappen passed Leclerc for P2. And then another eight laps later, Verstappen passed Perez for first place. Uh, it started raining on lap 19, and it lasted until lap 25. It wasn't hard enough or long enough to get all the drivers in on intermediate tires, um, but a couple did come in for soft tires, which do run better in the rain than the harder compounds. Uh, while it was raining, Norris, who fell through the field at the beginning of the race, started to climb back up again, made his way all the way back up to, I believe, P7. Uh, on lap 22, speaking of which, Lando Norris passed Logan Sargent around the outside of turn 9. Uh, 
fantastic pass. It took a lot of guts, and it was a wet track. Um, but that was part of why Lando was struggling, was because he had a high downforce setup. So he struggled in the dry, but it did not struggle in the wet conditions. Uh, on lap 38, Ocon passed Sonoda around the outside of turn 6 for P9. And uh, then that was pretty much the rest of the action for the race. It ended with Verstappen, Perez, and Leclerc on the podium. Fourth and fifth were Hamilton and Alonso. Six through ten was Russell, Norris, Ocon, Stroll, and Sonoda. Eleven through fifteen was Gasly, Bottas, Joe, Albon, and Magnussen. And sixteen through twenty were Ricardo, Sargent, Hulkenberg, Sainz, and Piastri. And Sainz and Piastri were our two DNFs. Forgot to mention, Sainz retired, I think, on lap twenty-one or twenty-three, actually. They should have retired Sainz on, you know, lap four. Yeah, they should that have. Was brutal. Watching them, watching him ask, he's like, "What's the damage?" He's like, "We see the damage, and you're staying out." And he stayed out for almost the entire race and dropped like a rock. Yeah, they they kept him out. I think they were hoping for a miracle red flag after because they knew rain was coming. Uh, I think they were hoping for a miracle red flag, and so they could change the the side pod and get him back out there. But even then, he would have started last. Yeah, um, no, it was ridiculous. He came into the pit and was like, "Oh, good, they're taking him, like they're taking him out of the race." And then they put him on mediums and sent him back out. Yeah, it was kind of kind of ridiculous. What are you doing? Yeah. Um. So more Ferrari things. Uh, the fantastic Ferrari strategist at it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not a fan of that. Yeah, I wasn't either. Um, but I always forget how much longer a racetrack spot is than other racetracks oh so uh, long like yeah 44 laps and you're just sitting there and it's like okay lap one okay lap two will be here eventually but it yeah it's such a different dynamic and i liked seeing the the pit strategy and different strategy changes and a lot of teams are talking a lot more about tire degradation than in other races yeah yeah it's a uh... Spa is a, is a monster of its of its own. It's it's completely different than any other track, and I think that's yeah, why a lot of people love it. Yeah, it's probably my favorite track on the on the grid. On, yeah, on the grid, the season. That's what it's called. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Um, I love Spa. It's a very long circuit. It's uh, you're watching the race, and you know other races you see. It's a 44 lap race. Uh, well for Spa at least, and other races are like upper 60s. Um. So that's a little peculiar at first. You're like, oh, it's going to be a short race, but but no. <laughs> um, no, it's seven kilometers long. Yep. It's like watching watching other races. You look up every few minutes, and it's like six or seven laps have gone by. But at Spa, you look up every few minutes, and it's been two laps. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a completely different track, and I, I love it for that. And it's on the calendar next year, which I was not expecting, but I am very happily surprised by yeah, yeah, it's always good to see it stick around, especially if they're going to substitute with Vegas or something like that. I mean, I'm a proud American, but I probably would have been a little bit miffed if they took Spa off the roster for uh, Vegas. Yeah, I, I would have also. Um, I don't know how long Spa's going to be on the calendar, especially if it keeps raining like it has been in the last few years. They have to be able to move it to a different part of the season, right? Uh... I would think, but I don't know. Like, it's just... What if they put it at the end of the season? Like, the end of the F1 season at Spa? When it's all I snowed mean, granted, in? It wouldn't, granted, it wouldn't be that consequential a race most of the time, but it'd still be pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Um, or a season opener at Spa? Season opener at Spa. Just absolutely brutalize the drivers and the cars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it would be very interesting to move Spa around. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to be on the calendar. I, I hope it stays forever, but I don't think that's what's going to be the case, unfortunately. Um, but the drivers all love the track. The fans all love the track. Uh, hopefully we can st keep getting races without it getting rained out. Uh, but that's just part of the circuit's uh, charm, I guess, at this point. If, if you can call it that, is the, the threat of rain, always. Yeah. Um, some of the most legendary spa races have been, you know, completely 
full-on downpours. Um, but that brings us to another talking point that I don't have listed on here, but uh, I don't know what what the point of the wet tires are anymore. Like, if they're going to rain delay to the point where it's intermediate conditions before they can get started, then... I don't, I don't see what the point of the wet weather tires are because they start behind the safety car on the wets and then everybody comes in the first lap for inter- intermediates. It happened in Hungary in 2021, was it? Or was it last yeah. year? I think it was 2021. No, it was, I think it was 2021, yeah. Uh, when Hamilton was the only driver to start on wet weather tires. Um, and... Uh, then it's happened here in Spa, where half the drivers went in the first lap and half the drivers went in the second lap, uh, which I was very excited for. I, I thought I thought all the drivers were going to go in the first lap, and I was I was very excited to see how that was going to turn out because that would have just been chaos in the pit lane. Um, but that's not what happened, and I think that's probably the smart decision for most of the teams. Um, yeah. But it did mean Verstappen lost out on the sprint race uh, a little bit. He lost out to piastri which made the race a little interesting for a few laps um but yeah i don't know if they're not gonna race under wet tire conditions then what's the point of having the wet tires they say they keep changing all these tire allocations uh and experimenting with all these different like last last week in hungary they had a new qualifying format that dropped like four tires from the rotation to save rubber or whatever they're trying to lessen the amount of rubber like tires they have to carry with them and even make so i don't see why they don't just ditch the wet weather tires and have one wet compound if they're not going to actually use both of them that is a very good point yeah because have we actually had a race that like went all the way that the drivers are using wet compound tires for that you and i have seen I'm sure we have. I think we have a couple times, but it's been a couple years, and they tend to not. If it gets that bad, they either red flag it, or they don't start the race if it has been raining until it's intermediate conditions. The only one I can think of in recent time was, it was I think it was 22 Monaco. Uh, 20, oh, 000. right. Did they, um, did they really use wets during that? I think so. I think they started the race on wets. Uh, but I think they started the race prematurely because there was like a river going through the pit lane. Um, oh yeah i think now that you say that i think i remember yeah that was pretty wild but that was like the only race i can think of in recent time where they actually used the wet weather tires um it could just be a spa thing too because spa is the one track where we've had consistent rain every year um because spa is considered to be so dangerous which i mean fair enough it it is is, a very dangerous track (laughs) um that maybe that's why they keep delaying it until it's intermediate conditions uh which i guess there's an argument that can be made for that but it does it's not just spa where they will not start the race until it's intermediate conditions so i don't know this is my rant for the day i think they need to (laughs) make a tire that's in between intermediate and wets in terms of water evacuation and uh just go with one wet weather compound or get the NASCAR boys over there with the Gen 2 Air Titans and just dry off the track. You could do that. <laughs> um, but I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. I doubt they're going to change anything in that regard. Yeah, that's true. On another note, Verstappen is about to tie Sebastian Vettel's win record uh, with nine wins in a row. He now has eight wins in a row after winning Spa. Uh... He would tie the record in his home country home race of the Netherlands, uh, which would be pretty cool to see. Um, and then if he wins that and wins in Monza, uh, I believe one week later, then that would be the record broken. And who knows how long he would take that record, f- <laughs> how long he would make that go. I don't know. I could easily see him winning every race for the rest of the season. That'd be, um, that'd be boring, but having it at least for one season where he just continues like non-stop winning would be kind of entertaining it'd be kind of entertaining just to see what happens and it's just it's to see what happens would, yeah it would go down as such a legendary season in formula one history that it'd be cool to be able to say in 10 years that we watched that whole season yeah um kind of thing uh and then also if red bull 
wins every single race this season. That would be pretty wild. Uh, yeah, that would that would be very entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Again, not for the actual sake of racing, but like, just because why not? What I mean, it's got it's know. gotten to the point. Yeah, it's gotten to the point where like, I've started coming back to rooting for Red Bull to win all the races again, just because I kind of want to see that happen. <laughs> yeah, I want that history to be made. What would the um, FIA do? I don't know. I don't know what they what what can they do? I mean, they've already. <laughs> They've already taken away half of Red Bull's uh, wind tunnel time. They would have to kill Adrian Newey. <laughs> yeah. <they'd... laughs> the hit squad. <laughs> that, that seems like the only solution, but I don't advocate for that. Let's not get ourselves arrested, Ben. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what they could do. Other, yeah, but they haven't already been doing. Yeah, that reminds me of listening to uh, Max's... Uh, radio messages between him and his engineer today uh just absolutely antagonizing one another yeah he sounds so bored he's like what if we just push a little more this lap and then give the uh, team a little more pit stop training <laughs> yeah. like, no we're not gonna do that this time <laughs> yeah and just all sorts of like little jabs between him and the engineer how he just is going too fast yeah, let's uh, let's go easy. Let's ease up on your tires a little bit, Max. Oh, is, yeah, these, is uh, Checo the doing the same thing? Listen to my instructions, <laughs> Max. I want to know if Checo's doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or the uh, your tire your tire degradation last split was good. Let's let's not do that, or let's yeah. uh, let's ease up a little bit. Yeah, it's just yeah ridiculous. Well, it's kind of crazy. It's it's like Verstappen can do whatever he wants and he'll still win. He doesn't. He's not listening to his team half the time. It seems like. Yeah, um, I watched but... a, video, a clip on YouTube of a fan videoing toward the finish line on lap forty three, and he videoed Max going by, and it was like a thirty five second video, <laughs> and you're just waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting, and then it was like fifteen. 15 or 20 seconds later, Perez went by. I don't remember the exact split between them, but it was an absurd amount of time. Well, we can check the exact split. It was 22 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 insane. He won by 22 seconds after starting 6th. Didn't get to 1st until lap 17. There was wet weather conditions. Uh, he almost lost it when it started raining. Yeah, when he started running, he almost crashed into a region ready on. And of um, course, he just lapped it off. Yeah, he's like, oh, that was almost bad. <laughs> he did that in another race. I think it was Canada. Uh, yeah. It's just, but, yeah. Yeah, it's, they, yeah, they either have to take out Adrian Newey or Max Verstappen. That's the thing. Is this like I don't think it's necessarily that the Red Bull car is insanely good. Even though I th- well, it is insanely good. But <laughs> if you look at Perez, he's been twenty two I mean, seconds back, right? And he's only winning. I mean, he's okay. Granted, he's still nine seconds ahead of Leclerc. But that's just this race. If you look at the past races, Perez hasn't been on the podium in a long time. Yeah, like it's it's been a while since Perez has been on the podium. Um, so. It's, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily the car or if Perez is just struggling or what the deal is, but Max is just on a level of his own. I think if you give him a car that's anywhere, even in the top three cars, really, I think he'll fight for a championship. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I think Max is just that good. And, uh, we're... Or you're just gonna witness this until he retires in 2028 when his contract is up and he decides to do something else because he's bored. He's going to iRacing. He's going to stay in at home and race on a computer. Possibly. I don't know. <laughs> uh, he has expressed interest in the Le Mans, uh, that whole the World Endurance series. I don't know if he'd actually do the whole, the World Endurance Championship or if he just race Le Mans, um, but. Uh, who knows? And it's Le Mans, I know. I'm not I don't speak French. Le Mans. Le Mans. <laughs> um But uh Yeah, I don't know. I don't see Max staying forever because he said he's not gonna stay forever. Uh 
and who knows. Yeah, but, he really doesn't seem concerned with breaking the the Hamilton championship record. No, and to be honest, I don't know if he could. I don't know how long Red Bull's going to be in front. Yeah, uh, it seems like the FIA is not afraid to drastically change rules between seasons anymore to try to curb any one team's performance. Yeah, and Red Bull decided to take on Ford as an engine partner, so I'm sure that'll be their downfall. Uh, well, no. <laughs> what are, for better or for worse, okay. it, it seems like Ford will just be putting their badge on it. I don't know if that affects re- reliability at all. It, it very well might. I don't know. Um, yeah, it'll either be first on race day or found on Red Dead. It'll. It's one of those, uh, all those Ford acronyms that we love. Yeah. Um, but who knows? I I don't know. I mean, they're they're going to be completely new engines, so I'm sure Ford will have something to do with the development of it. Uh, but I know Honda's already developing developing one. I don't know who their customer team's gonna be. I don't know. It's Aston Martin, isn't it? Or is it for next? Oh year? yeah, you're right. No, it was Aston Martin. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah. Bring back the V12 uh, cowards. Oh please, that would be amazing. I want a Honda but... V12 back and a Ford V8. Bring back the Honda V12 versus the Ford V8. That would be incredible, but. They're going for net zero carbon emissions by 2030, so I don't see that happening. Uh, I mean, they are using, uh, although I think they're already using some like more sustainable fuels, and then they're going to keep making them more sti- more sustainable over time. Yeah. Um, so who knows, if they can get to a fuel that can run in a combustion engine that's completely uh, clean... Um, maybe we can get those V12s back, but I wouldn't keep my fingers crossed. <laughs> um, which is very sad. I know I miss the V12 sounds very much. They're so great, and I watched a Formula E race this this week, and uh, it's just it's not the same. Up. Yeah, you hear the you hear the sounds, and it's like it makes me angry. <laughs> 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 um but anyway uh moving on piastri looks like a future star after this week um i wouldn't go so far as to say he's better than lando it's been one race uh but if you look at his whole season he's been right there with lando for most of it um yeah. so he's also very mature the way he handled the whole accident today uh he wasn't freaking out he wasn't, you know. I mean, he did he blame it Carlos. Than did. Right. He didn't blame Carlos. Like, well, he did blame Carlos, but he didn't like, you know, call him an idiot. He didn't or say whatever. it. He just said it was a racing incident. Yeah, essentially. Um, and then even in the interviews after the races, he said there were things that they both could have done differently to avoid that. Um, but uh, just that level of maturity, I think, is going to help him in the in the long run and then he's he's just very very fast all weekend in the wet weather especially um and i think he's got a good car i think he'll end up on the podium at some point this season that'd be pretty cool. uh it would be pretty cool um but we'll see what what happens with him he looks very very good uh and he could definitely challenge lando for you know just in that team um i think that'll be a, a good teammate battle to watch in future seasons for sure yeah, i agree um alpine came back this weekend after two double dnfs <laughs> uh they are now back let's see where did they finish looks like archon finished eighth and ghastly finished 11th so ghastly did not get any points in the race but he did finish on the podium in third place in the sprint race and archon finished ninth just outside the points in the sprint race so um Signs of definitely yeah it's better better than it has been yeah for sure uh, they've got a long way to go for the rest of the season if they want to make up any ground in the championship. Uh, just looking in the championship, they are almost 50 points behind McLaren now. Uh, I don't really see them closing that gap with the form McLaren's been in. Um, yeah, McLaren no, did and have... you know, bending your uh, team principal just immediately gives you a lot of extra race pace if you ask Ferrari. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, Bonato did have some 
there was very good reason for him to be not part of the team anymore. <laughs> True. <laughs> other other than just like, wrist pace. <laughs> yeah, it's not like getting Fred Visser automatically improved the team on the track, yeah. necessarily. Yeah, I mean, the reason Benato was fired is because like, they were the fifth fastest car, and Benato was saying, oh, everything's fine, we're doing great, when <laughs> they weren't doing yeah. great. Uh, so I think more of it was that he wasn't even acknowledging that there was a problem. Um, I see, I gotcha. But, uh, I don't know, after after double DNF, of course, I don't know, it wasn't really Safnira's fault, and it wasn't, like, it was really Alpine's fault either time. But that's beside the point. Um, like you're saying, I don't think Benning Zafnauer halfway through the season was necessarily the best call. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who's going to replace him, but that will be an interesting story to follow. Uh, McLaren did have kind of an off week this week. Um, obviously, it was unfortunate that Piastri got DNF'd at the first corner. Um and then Lando, his setup was a complete nightmare uh, because they set up for the rain. They bet on it raining, and it did not for 90% of the race. Um, but when it did, he did make it all the way back up into P7, which is where he finished. Um, so he did do a good job to retain that position after the rain let up. Uh, I think they just made a bet on the rain, and it didn't really pay off this week. Um, so I think they'll be back next week. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It is a very tight and twisty circuit. Zandvoort's insanely technical. I don't know which car that's going to favor. Um, but we'll see. I think McLaren will at the very least be back on point by Monza. Uh, and then, uh, one more thing is we have a, a, a Red Bull trophy curse starting to to brew in the in the f1 <laughs> world uh last week lando norris destroyed max verstappen's trophy uh during the podium celebrations uh, it was obviously an accident um but when he slammed his bottle of champagne on the podium it knocked verstappen's trophy over and it shattered it and uh that was unfortunate um they're already commissioning the artist to make another trophy for verstappen so that will be rectified which is a good thing um, but then today, after the race, when they were doing their post-race celebration picture, they had all the trophies lined up in front of them, and then, I don't know why, but they all decided to sprint forward towards the camera, and in all that chaos, someone knocked over the pit board into the trophy, knocking over the trophy and breaking it. <laughs> so They really gotta make, like... start making these uh, trophies so fragile. Yeah, maybe start making titanium trophies, because there's... Uh, they keep breaking them. Um, I don't know. They just they've won so many trophies. They just don't care anymore, and that's probably what it is. Yeah, uh, Max doesn't have any more room, so he's like, just yes, do what you just can break, with them. just get rid of yeah. them, get rid of them somehow. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's two races in a row where I don't know if it was Max's trophy this time, but it was one of the trophies. It was either Max Checo's or the constructors' trophy. Uh, that got broken. So there is uh, now a curse where every time Verstappen wins the race, the trophy breaks. Who knows how long that will last, but I find that very amusing. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, maybe it's just Max has so many trophies he doesn't have room anymore. I know Lewis Hamilton in his house in New York. I think it's in New York. It might be his Monaco house. I don't remember which one, actually. But he has a room in one of his houses that's just his his, uh, pole position tire trophies. Um, and they're just like stacked in boxes. He said, <laughs> "Like he's he's out of room. He's got a room just dedicated to his pole position trophies. I'm sure that room smells like rubber, like you wouldn't believe." Um, but <laughs> I find that funny too. Maybe Max is getting to that point. Um, but all right, going through the standings, not much has changed. Verstappen still in front. Perez still in second. Alonso still in third. Just by one point, though. Lewis Hamilton is one point behind Alonso. Uh, Leclerc and Russell are tied for fifth place. Um, other than that, not too much interesting. Nothing has changed in the constructors. Uh, actually, Aston Martin might have passed Ferrari in the constructors this week. 
No, they wouldn't have. Never mind. I lied. Uh, but Aston Martin and Ferrari are very close to each other. Uh, around third and fourth. Uh, Mercedes is very much in second place now. And uh, McLaren is very much in fifth place. Um, past that, not much has changed. Um, pit stop championship. Uh, top 10 were Leclerc, uh, Perez, Sunoda, Ricardo, Verstappen, Alonso, Alcon, Sainz, Sargent, and Hamilton. The fastest pit stop went to Leclerc at 2.19 seconds. Um, and the slowest pit stop was Pierre Gasly at 5.01 seconds. Uh, pit stop championship. Nice. That's actually not a terrible spread, though. No, not really. Uh, Five-second pit stop, while not great, isn't the worst thing in the world. Nothing terrible happened. Yeah. Um, standings for pit stop championship. Uh, not much has changed. Verstappen passed Norris for P3. Um, not much notable past that. Other than I would say going into the constructors, Mercedes is a lot farther down than I expected them to be. Uh, usually Mercedes has been pretty on point with their pit stops, but they are sitting currently in seventh place in the pit stop championship. Um, Alpine surged forward and they are in fourth, uh, but it's very much Red Bull and Ferrari out in the top, top two. Um, yeah. Uh, Dana Ricardo had a pretty good weekend for pit stops. He's up to, I don't know what that is. 16th place and he's only had two races uh not too shabby um but going on to the overtake of the week um i gave this one to lando norris for his overtake on logan Sargent on lap 22 of the belgian grand prix uh that was his overtake around the outside of turn nine which is that long long right hand hairpin um and uh yeah you don't see overtakes around the outside there very very often and uh, Norris just made his wet weather setup work more than yeah. pretty much anybody else could keep up with. Um, so that was my vote there. And then another honorable, honorable mention was uh, Esteban Ocon for his move around the outside of, I believe, turn six uh, on Tsunoda later on in the race. Um, he was, like, fully behind Tsunoda going into the braking zone and then passed him around the outside of that corner, which was pretty wild. Um, so there's my honorable mention there. Um, but that runs off overtake of the week. Let's go into our predictions for this race. Uh, to remind everybody of the top five, it was Verstappen, Perez, Leclerc, Hamilton, and Alonso. Uh, we did not do very well this week. <laughs> no, this is terrible. Um well, we both said Verstappen obviously winning the race, so we'll take that free bingo space. But uh, past that, what, give me give me your top five, Ben. All right. After Verstappen, I had Hamilton, Perez, Norris, and Sainz in fifth, and then I had Ricardo doing a little better than he came in this uh, weekend. Yeah, uh, I had Verstappen followed by Norris, Perez, Piastri, Russell, and Arcon. Um, none of that really panned out. Uh, Oof, yeah, bit big on the McLaren farm, huh? I was, yeah. And to be fair, if Piastri didn't get crashed into in the first lap, uh, it might have been a different story. However, he was also probably on a wet weather setup like Norris was, so maybe not. Um, who knows? But regardless, we were we were both very wrong. <laughs> yeah, uh, it happens. It happens frequently. <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> All right, fast slap went to Lewis Hamilton, surprisingly. Um, no we, dig at we Hamilton. We both have Verstappen for that. Usually Verstappen, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we got that wrong. And the driver of the day went to Max Verstappen. And what did you say? Didn't see that coming. But uh, I had Ricardo. And I had Piastri, which if driver of the day was for the sprint race, it would have probably been Piastri. <laughs> yeah, if he didn't get knocked out so early, that, yeah, I think that would have stuck. Maybe. Um, all right, let's go into our predictions for the upcoming races. We have three IndyCar races upcoming during the Formula One 
summer break and then we have our next formula one race uh the dutch grand prix on the uh, what is that the 28th of august uh 27th of august looks like all right so pole position for nashville tight street circuit what do you have ben i'm gonna put the uh the old hand dixon okay and i have marcus erickson um, what do you got for your podium? Uh, I put Palau, you know, worth a shot. Palau, not Palau, I'm not saying. Um, <laughs> got Dixon again, and then I have the master of the crash, Grosjean. Okay, we'll see if he there's, can make it. If to there's the any line. place for him to perform well, it's here. Yeah, he needs uh, to. He's going to lose his seat, I'm convinced. If he doesn't, like, literally, he needs to win, like, two races in the rest of the season to keep his seat. It's It's bad. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Marcus Erickson is what I have, followed by Polo and Herda. I think Herda has uh, kind of made a resurgence in the second half of the season, so I could see him finishing on the podium here. Ooh, I like it. Um, all right, winning pit stops for Nashville. What do you got, Ben? I put four. If there's a, a lot of carnage going on. People are having to pit to replace flat spotted tires and change fuel strategies. You know, there's there's a chance. There is a chance. I have two. I went with kind of the opposite. It'll probably be either... Well, I don't know. We'll see. It'll probably um, end up being three, just to spite us. Of course. Yeah, that's how it usually goes. Uh, all right. The next IndyCar race after that is the Indianapolis Road Course for the second time this season. What do you have for pole position, Ben? I've got Polo. Okay. I have Award. Uh, what do you got on the podium? Uh, Herda, Power, and Lungard. I don't have Polo making it. I don't know why, but you know, I want to put Lungard on there. Maybe get that that one DNF for his season. Yeah, uh, possibly. All right, I have Polo as I <laughs> on the podium, followed by Lungard <laughs> and Award. We both have Christian Lungard on there. Uh, maybe a little risky, but he has been uh, very good this season, and uh, he did finish on the podium in the first Indianapolis road course race. So. Uh, there's some precedent there. Uh, winning number of pit stops, what do you got, Ben? I'll put four again. Four again. You'll see a theme as we go through these. A little more likely on a road course, I think. Um, yeah. We'll see. I have three, uh, but four is definitely possible, especially if we get some rain like we usually do in the second IndyCar race, or yeah. Indy road course race. Um, all right. And then finally, for IndyCar, we have St. Louis, or Gateway, as it is so lovingly called. Uh, it's a 260 lap oval, uh, oval-ish. It's not really an oval. It's kind of an odd shape, um, but it is listed as an oval race. Um, who do you have on pole position? We got Erickson on pole, and I have Felix Rosenqvist. Wow, that's a sleeper pick right there. Yeah, I think he's he's been pretty good at ovals this season, so I could see it happening. Worth a uh, shot. What do you got for podium? I've got Newgarden, Erickson, and Power. I have Newgarden, Award, and Power. Uh, wouldn't bet against Joseph Newgarden on an oval. Yeah, and Newgarden and Power both. The the Penske boys were just on fire. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and winning number of pit stops. <laughs> I got you got four. There you go. Uh, I went with five for this one, so I'm switching it up and going with more than Ben this time. Oh, you're going high side, okay? Yeah. All right. Uh, now, Formula One, the Dutch Grand Prix. Uh, what do you have for your top five, Ben? So, obviously, I have Verstappen in first. Uh, I've got Perez second, Hamilton third, Norris and Russell in fifth, and then I've got Albon as my dark horse. I know the Williams isn't very good on the uh, the tighter tracks, not as much straight line speed, but it's worth a shot. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, I have Verstappen winning the race, followed by Alonso and Norris rounding off the podium, and then Hamilton and Perez fourth and fifth, and then I have my dark horse is uh, Valtteri Bottas. Um, wow. Yeah, the Alfa Romeo did very well in Hungary, at least in qualifying. Uh, that is true. Which is another tight, twisty circuit, so I could see it happening again in uh, Zandvoort. Uh, we'll see. All right, fastest lap. What do you have, Ben? So you both have Verstappen. We do both have Verstappen. And then driver of the day, what do you got? I also have Verstappen. 
you also have Verstappen. I have Fernando Alonso, um, but I could see it being Verstappen too, considering it's the Dutch Grand Prix. Yep, that's what I was banking on. Yeah, makes sense. All right, that kind of runs off our uh, our predictions for this episode. Uh, what do you got for your words of wisdom for us today, Ben? I stopped by a farm stand today, and it was pretty neat. Uh, I know some people living in you know more densely populated cities or areas where you don't really have farmer stands uh, might not be able to put this to use, but it's definitely worth checking out. If there's a local farmer stand, check it out instead of you know going to the grocery store. Uh, I know some of them only sell produce, but you know you can always eat plenty of veggies. And uh, the one that I stopped at, it actually had like some bread and salsa and chips and some drinks and eggs and all sorts of stuff. Uh, it was like a little uh, fresh food aisle at the grocery store, except it was a, a small business not far down the road from where I live in my uh, new house. So it was definitely worth it, and I think uh, they can kind of get overlooked and people think, like all oh, the food's gonna be all dirty, or they're only gonna have like this and this seasonal produce, but it's worth a check. They're not always cheaper, but generally they are going to support local businesses and local farms more, which I think is worth it. Absolutely, I uh, I very much agree. Um, I have found that when I buy food at farm stands, uh, it tends to taste better too. I agree. Um, in my humble opinion, and also I kind of feel better about buying it there at the end of the grocery store for some reason. Not sure why, other than the whole small business thing. Um, but uh, good stuff, Ben. Uh, they are definitely more popular in the rural areas, but so is racing. So I would imagine that would be a solid 70% of our audience. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All 20 of you. Wild guess, yeah. And uh, I know there's a couple people in Europe listening. I'm not sure how farmer stands work out there, but uh, if that's the case. Oh, hello, by the way, the people uh, I think in Belgium that listen to this podcast on the regular. Uh, we see you, we love you, uh, and we yes. appreciate it. Um, but anyway, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a like, a rating on the platform you listened on. It really helps us out. If you want to see updated standings for IndyCar and F1 or a calendar of upcoming racing from all sorts of different series, check out our website, RevHang.com. If you have a question about racing or about us, hit us up on Twitter using hashtag RevHangPodcast, and we may feature your question on the next show. You can also follow Ben on Instagram at BenjiMeetsWorld and myself at 2N underscore squared. You can also follow our Instagram page at RevHangMedia. We'll be back in two weeks for the mid-season review to talk and also to talk about uh, the IndyCar races in Nashville and Indianapolis coming up. Uh, but until then, I have been Nathan. And I'm Ben. Thanks for hanging out, guys. See you later.